2: Your morning starts now. It's the Q102 Jeff and Jen podcast brought to you by CVG Airport. Fly healthy through CVG. For more information, go to CVG Airport backslash fly healthy. Natalie Portman's making news Natalie this
0: Portman, yeah. I mean, if you've ever read The Three Little Pigs and thought, you know, there just aren't enough women in this story, Natalie Portman has solved the problem. She's written a book called Natalie Portman's Fables, and she took three classic stories. She took the pigs the tortoise and the hare and country mouse and city mouse and made them more gender inclusive. Hmm. For instance, the tortoise and the tortoise and the hare is female. Nice. Natalie says children's books have this very special place in our lives because we read them over and over and over again. Like no other books, they have a way of instilling information and values into both children and parents. Wow. And when I was reading the books, I was struck by how the classic stories had overwhelmingly male characters and thinking, what am I telling my kids, both my son and my daughter, about whose stories are important to tell and also whose lives should they care about?
2: I guess I never really thought about whether the tortoise or the hare was had a, a gender,
1: had a mm-hmm. penis or a vagina. Yeah,
0: I wasn't really sure. Now we know
1: she's right, though, because there are some children's books that I read that sometimes I'm like, what? What is the message here? Yeah, <laughs> specifically the rainbow fish. Yeah, I what get is it about very the ra- upset about, about the about rainbow it? fish because the rainbow fish is this fish that's like beautiful and, and I under- sparkly, and I understand where they're going with this, but I'm seeing it in a different way. The rainbow fish is a very beautiful, sparkle fish that has rainbow scales, and all of the other fish want to have rainbow scales because they don't have
0: the sparkly rainbow scales because
1: they do not. And so the rainbow fish goes and talks to the octopus, and the octopus says, well, start giving away your scales to the other people. It's just the right thing to do. And so he does. The rainbow fish starts giving away the scales to the other fish, and the other fish feel completely beautiful. And then the rainbow fish ends up with just one scale and feels like okay because they have a lot of friends now. So he's conforming. So that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Why do you have to give away all of your magic in order to make friends? And is, I and is that's, can, everybody else is feel he better.
2: conforming or is he sharing?
1: See, and that's what they're saying. And I'm feeling like what you should do, Rainbow Fish, is encourage other people to find their inner rainbow within themselves and let them know that they are beautiful on their own. And you don't have to give away all of your own magic. Hmm. And I I'm do. With you, I do, I'm with you. I do like. Um, other endings to stories sometimes. I'll be like, Penelope, this is what Rainbow Fish did. But if you are faced with a situation like this, this is your personal decision if you decide that you would like to give away some magic or encourage those to find the magic within themselves. Very she well She looks done. at me like, what? And Scott's like, <laughs> it's a book, Jen. Calm down. I'm like... But you don't understand the message.
0: Yeah. I mean, we're implanting these ideas and these beliefs into our children. I mean, which the sharing
1: I get.
2: Yeah. Like if you got really fancy, nice clothes and your friends all have crappy clothes Share some of your nice clothes with them so they can look nice, too. (laughs) But it's
0: not clothes. These are his actual scales. Pieces of his body. Yeah.
2: And beauty.
1: Of who he is. Of the the self. So, like,
2: his talents and his attributes. Right. You would share with with others.
1: Yes. But I also have now, like, someone gave us that book, and I now skew towards buying my own books that are more about other things. You
2: could just write your own
1: I Stories. thought about that, the adventures of Bun Bun and Lammy. i are Bun Bun
2: and Lammy. These are
1: two animals at our house that also were given to us at a young age, and I um, have always done like role play and fun things like with Penelope through Bun Bun and Lammy. So I was like, I should write a child's book series called The Adventures of Bun Bun and Lammy, hmm. and I won't tell you the idea just in case <laughs> I ever get fired here and pursue that route. But it's okay. a really good one where they just get sporadically left
0: different places? Yes. You've talked about this before. I remember this. I like this. Uh-huh.
1: The adventures like this a of Lammy, a good idea. Bun Bun and Lammy. <laughs> ya. President Trump and former Vice President Joe Biden faced off in their second and final debate, moderated by NBC News White House correspondent Kristen Welker, or just as likely between President Trump and Kristen Welker and moderated by Joe Biden. Alright, come on guys. <laughs>
0: For the most part, things were pretty civil compared to the first debate, which was basically a UFC fight on meth. Yeah, it was a lot nicer. Uh, If the first debate was sponsored by Red Bull, this one was sponsored by NyQuil.
1: NASA's made an exciting new discovery about the moon. There is a huge announcement coming from NASA, but we have to wait until Monday. NASA, you you, you know...
0: Rain Wilson, Amer Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts.
2: Oh, I love you, but come on, we're living through a pandemic. The last thing we need right now is a cliffhanger about the
0: moon. <laughs> Just tell us. It's like Dr. Fauci saying, I have some exciting news about the virus that I'll tell you right after the break.
2: Jimmy Fallon right there, last night he had uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus. And uh, she explained how she came up with Elaine's infamous dance on uh, Seinfeld. Yeah. Yeah.
1: The writers wrote this script. I got it the night before the table read. And it said, Elaine dances weird, But they didn't say how or anything. So I got in front of the mirror and I tried out a couple of movements that I thought looked horrible. Yeah. And then I came down to the kitchen, and my husband was there, and my mom was visiting at the time. And I said, okay, guys, tell me which one of these is worse. <laughs> <laughs> and I did it for them, and they chose that one, and that's the one that I did in the show. And the thing that most people don't know is that, of course, there's music playing when you watch that episode, The Lane is Dancing to Music. But when we actually shot it, we couldn't play music because all of a sudden, those herky-jerky movements would have been to the beat. I couldn't separate it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, you'd be if you too
0: on the, rhythm. God. It had to
1: be completely off rhythm. And that's just a way of me defending myself, so you don't think that I really dance like that. I actually do have a little bit of rhythm.
2: That's funny. <laughs> she's so great. Yeah. All well, right, well, well, go ahead.
0: No, I was just going to start talking about Scarlett Johansson. She's going to be starring in Bride, which is a new take on The Bride of Frankenstein. That sounds cool. Uh, she's going to be, uh, yeah. Probably the hottest bride of Frankenstein ever. Exactly. Here is the synopsis. A woman created to be an ideal wife, the singular obsession of a brilliant entrepreneur, rejects her creator and is forced to flee her confined existence, confronting a world that sees her as a monster. Hmm. It is on the run that she finds her true identity, her surprising power, and the strength to remake herself as her own creation. A hot monster. So definitely a feminist take on the story. And Scarlett says, it is long overdue for Bride to step out of the shadow of her male counterpart and stand alone.
2: Long overdue. Yeah,
0: we are extremely excited to emancipate this classic anti-heroine and reanimate her story to reflect the change we see today. Did Natalie Portman write it? No, but sounds Uh, like she could have.
2: (laughs) Also this morning, uh, a new ranking of the best impressions of presidents on SNL. This is fun. Uproxx ranked every presidential impression in the history of SNL, although they they simplified it a little by not ranking every individual performance and grouping a few. But, uh, you know, it kind of reminded me of some classic impressions that I had forgotten about, like Ronald Reagan, who was um, imitated by Randy Quaid at one point, Uh, George W. Bush was mimicked by Will Forte and Jason Sudeikis. You know, we always think of Will Ferrell. Mm -hmm. But there were other actors who played these roles as well. Fred Armisen, who played Barack Obama. He did a great Barack Obama. Uh, Dan Aykroyd's Jimmy Carter. Jay Farrow's Barack Obama. Alec Baldwin's Donald Trump is one of the best, right? Mm -hmm. What
1: about uh, Sarah Palin? Tina Fey.
2: Oh, that was that, fantastic! She yeah, was she like, wasn't a president, but yeah, still, that was a great impression. Good. So
1: good.
2: Yeah. Uh, so let's uh, let's give you the top three here. Number three, one of my favorites, Will Ferrell as George W. Bush. Donald Trump thinks the media hates him. One time, an Iraqi reporter threw an actual shoe at me. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> I remember that. That was my a, favorite. That George was Bush great moment. <laughs> he took it off his foot. Lobbed it straight at my noggin. (laughs) Then he gathered himself, took off the other one, and tried it again. (laughs) But you know what they say? Shoe me once, (laughs) shoe's on you. (laughs) Shoe me twice, I'm keeping those shoes. (laughs) And I remember, do you remember when the first shoe, the guy hucked the first shoe Uh, at George W. Bush, and he dodged it, and he looked over, and he kind of smiled a little bit. He's like, you want to go? Yeah,
0: he popped back up <laughs> and he smirked. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
2: he smirked. He was like, like all right, we doing this? <laughs> yeah, come on, oh, give it your so best awesome. shot. Uh, let's see, number two, Daryl Hammond is Bill Clinton. Hillary would make a great president. <laughs> Thank you. And I would make an even greater first dude. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's nice. Hillary, isn't it crazy that phones can take videos now? Yeah. I mean if they could have done that in the nineties, <laughs> I'd be in jail. I can't remember what event he was doing, but Daryl Hammond got invited to the white. He was telling the story. We had him in studio one time and, and we had this great conversation on the air. We wrap up our segment with Daryl Hammond, and then he tells the story that I'm like, oh, I wish you had told that on the air. He, he got invited to the White House because I don't know if he was is speaking at some dinner or whatever that was being hosted by, President at that time, President Clinton. And uh, so, like, he goes to the hotel or wherever they're putting him up. I don't know that he actually stayed in the White House, but they had, like, all of his favorite things. Like, if he were to imagine the perfect writer, they had everything. And he hadn't given, they hadn't asked him what his favorite this or that was or what his favorite champagne was, but all this stuff was in place. And he asked the president, he's like, you know, the welcome, He, the president was like, you know, I hope everything has been laid out for you nice and they're taking good care of you. And he says, yeah, Mr. President, I mean, like you even knew what my favorite, you know, pillow was or everything is, nothing has been ignored. He's like, you'd be surprised what we know.
0: <laughs>
2: I believe, you know, yeah. like it's not surprising that, uh, That they would have that information, access to that information. You know, we talk about how social media and Facebook is eavesdropping on us. How Alexa hears everything we say. What kind of technology did they have back in the day?
0: Yeah, or just people on, feet on, boots on the ground.
2: Boots on the ground, people on the inside. Well, you know. Uh, And then uh, the number one, number one, greatest presidential impression on SNL. Uh... Ah, this is my favorite.
0: We're in the midst of the holiday Mm. season here, waiting (laughs) for the checkered flag of the Christmas shopping season to start our economic engines. And how, as Americans, do we take part? By doing what we have always done, we consume. (laughs) That's who we are. Let's not fight it. We are a nation of consumers. We love to shop, shop, shop. Boy said to me, don't pass this up. I said, not going to buy it. Not, guy, buy it.
1: <laughs> Bought it. <laughs> it's
2: pretty good. Dana. That is
0: pretty oh, good. Dana. Yeah. So Elton John is getting his very own Barbie doll, which celebrates his unique look. Mattel is making this doll, and they say the Elton John Barbie doll shines bright in a glittery top, And flared denim embellished with Elton sparkling initials. Her Elton embossed bomber jacket. Why did they say her Elton embossed? Oh, I guess Barbie. It is Barbie. She is Barbie. Okay. Well, I keep thinking I kind of think Barbie dolls. I always kind of just include all dolls under the umbrella of Barbie. Uh, Ken. Ken, Yes, as all Barbie dolls. But I guess this is a female doll.
1: She uh, yeah. So this is what she looks like. She's looks she has a Elton John.
2: she's wearing elton's clothes
1: yes
0: all right so her elton embossed bomber jacket features star printed sleeves and a rainbow striped hem nods to the artist's iconic style include rainbow striped platform boots a purple bowler hat and sparkly pink tinted sunglasses Mm.
1: She's beautiful yeah she's also 50 bucks (laughs) (laughs) that's a lot of money for a barbie
0: elton posted photos of his barbie and called it an honor so,
1: good luck
2: getting that one. Uh, have you, has Penelope seen Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, the Disney Um,
1: She knows animated? who Snow White is, but she's really only ever watched, like, Cinderella. Like, she knows who they all are because mm-hmm. we have the books. Yeah. But, yeah, that's it.
2: So, I guess, like, back in the day when they would do these animated classics, they would use models to try to kind of animate the movements like to try to get the movements down of a certain especially if they were like a dancer and the model they used for Disney's Snow White in the 1937 animated classic Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs her name, she was an actress and dancer named March Champion she just died Wednesday at the age of 101 Wow! but you know the the Snow White animated character I guess was modeled after her. Her father was a famous Hollywood dancer, and he was friends with Walt Disney, and that's how she got the part.
1: That's cool. Yeah,
2: the the movie's animation team studied Marge's movements, and keep in mind, the animation team, they were all men at the time, and uh, they wanted to make Snow White move more realistically. Uh, She also did the same thing for the dwarf Dopey, the Blue Fairy in Pinocchio, and Hyacinth Hippo in Fantasia, and Mr. Stork in Dumbo. Nice. Yeah, and Anderson. by the way, her stepdaughter is uh, actress Katie Seagal from Married with Children and Sons oh, of Anarchy.
1: Wow. Oh wow! I'm not a big fan of Snow White's voice. She's one that I just when she sings to the when she sings to the animals, <laughs> yeah. she is very high pitched Very high
2: pitched Well, that was not her.
1: Yes, correct.
2: But. Thanks for listening